Well, in the world of soccer, they call them friendlies. They're international matches that don't have any consequence. They're really usually used as exhibitions or warm-ups. In this case, it's a warm-up for the upcoming World Cup in Qatar, of which, of course, Team Canada has qualified for the first time uh, since 1986. Team Iran have also qualified, and uh, they will be according to the schedule, Canada's opponents in Vancouver on June the 5th. Again, the first match in Canada since Team Canada qualified uh, for the World Cup a little while back. So certainly meant to be a celebration for the team in one of Canada's soccer hotbeds of Vancouver. But the choice of opponent, Iran, has mystified and angered some in this country, in particular the families of those killed when a Ukrainian Airways flight was blown out of the sky by a surface-to-air missile just after taking off from Tehran in January of 2020, shot down uh, by members of Iran's Islamic Revolutionary Guard. Mistakenly, perhaps, but 176 people died that day, many of which were Canadian citizens, permanent residents, or had ties to this country. The Prime Minister yesterday was asked about this, and he called the soccer friendly between the two nations a bad idea. This was a choice by Sport, uh, by Sport Canada, by, by Soccer, uh, Soccer Canada. Uh, I think it's, uh, it's, uh, it wasn't a very good idea to invite the Iranian uh, soccer team here to Canada, uh, but that's something that, uh, that the organizers are going to have to explain. Soccer Canada is uh, continue, continuing to defend the decision, uh, but among the victims were Hamed Ismailian's wife of 20 years, Parisa Iqbalian, and their only child, nine-year-old daughter, Rira. He is now a spokesperson for the families of those killed on Flight PS 753, and Hamed Ismailian joins me now from Richmond Hill near Toronto. Thank you so much for your time, and my condolences again tonight. Thank you very much, man. Thank you for having me. Your first reaction, uh, I know that you, you wrote about following Team Canada's soccer qualification for the World Cup. I know in Toronto it was widely celebrated. Um, but when you first saw, saw news that, uh, that Iran were coming to Canada to play, uh, what was your first reaction to that? It was shocking for all of us, uh, uh, you know, because we knew that there are other 30 teams on this tournament, World Cup, and this fall. But... Uh, Choosing Iran for Canada with the principles that we have here, with what happened to Canadians, uh, it was shocking. It was a very, very b- bad decision that they made. It was awful, in my opinion. And uh, we tried, we tried to uh, inform them even before announcing it, but they did, they didn't listen. You already knew that this was in that this was being planned, and you tried to reach out to to Soccer Canada. Yes, you know, we, we first heard it from Iranian state media. It was more than two weeks ago. And actually from some apologists and lobbies of Iranian regime in, in, in Canada, they were the first people that announced it. Like a while ago, and we were like, it's a joke, it's a rumor. No, it's not going to happen. Then two weeks ago, the Iranian media started to talking about that. And then uh, we contacted our government and we said, what's going on? And they said, they're not aware of anything. So it got closer to the day that they announced it. And finally, two days, I think, before the announcement, uh, I, on behalf of the Association of the Families, I wrote to Soccer Canada, I wrote to Minister Jolie, and I wrote to Minister of Sports that this is wrong and you should not do that. But so far, we haven't got any response from any of them. We heard the Prime Minister weigh in uh, yesterday, calling it a bad idea, but saying it wasn't his choice, it was Soccer Canada's. What did you make of that? 
I mean, you know, the problem is within the government. If our government had acted uh, firm and resolute against this crime, a small organization like Soccer Canada wouldn't dare to do this because our government hasn't done enough because our government, their, their policy is confusing for everybody. Well, Soccer Canada thought, okay, that's okay. We can go ahead and set up a match with uh, Iran uh, Football Federation, IFF. But uh, I mean, our stance hasn't been good enough. We have been very soft with Iran. We have had double standards with these Canadian citizens that they got murdered by Iranian regime. I can give you an example, uh, Ben. Uh, We we know what's going on in Ukraine right now. Uh, Russia has invaded and they do lots of atrocities. So uh, Minister of Foreign Affairs, Minister Jolie, she tweets about that like every day and she calls them names and she says war crimes, atrocities, crimes against humanity. And that's exactly her words. Mm-hmm. Targeting civilians is a war crime. But when she comes to PS75 too, she says illegal downing of an airplane, a commercial airplane. And my question is, do we have a legal downing of a commercial airplane full of children and innocent people? So I know that for tweeting about PS752, they check with their lawyers, they want to uh, have a right language, they have said that to us. But, uh, you know, this is double standard and it's spreading everywhere. Do you think Soccer Canada in this case simply wasn't aware of the politics? And I'll ask you about that, about the the ties between politics and, and football, soccer in Iran, which I gather are close. Uh, but were you, do you think Soccer Canada wandered into this without recognizing uh, what sort of message it might be sending? That could be one of the scenarios. Uh, I don't know. If they don't have any information about uh, Soccer Federation in Iran, then uh, I don't understand that. But if they, I, I think they have been used by Iranian apologists and lobbyists here. <laughs> this is a bigger picture here, but we know, for example, a week ago, in defense ministry here in Ottawa, lots of apologies and lobbies of the Iranian regime, Tehran's regime, have been invited and have been paid by our tax money. This is a bigger picture. They want to normalize their relationship, and this is a sports washing. Yeah, I mean, you, you, you described in an op-ed that you wrote for the Globe and Mail just the, the, the connections between politics and football soccer in in iran and the connections with the uh with the islamic revolutionary guard as well what are those connections as far as as you're concerned so there's a video it goes back to three months ago now the iff in iran doesn't have a permanent uh director or the president so there's a video of a former president he says that the current temporary president of iff in iran has been appointed by the intelligence service of IRGC. That's that, that's enough to believe that the whole system, and you know, there is no actually the private club in Iran. All of them are belong to the government, and you can see an IRGC commander uh, ruling in each cl- soccer club in Iran. So, like so many sports and politics mix situations, uh, you see this really as 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 a propaganda tool for the Iranian regime being able to send their national team to Canada to play a high profile, friendly 
in a city like Vancouver. Yes, I say it like that. And my question is, what kind of friendship do we have with the Islamic Republic of Iraq? They already murdered Canadians in last 20 years. They, they murdered Zahra Kazemi. They murdered mm-hmm. Dr. Sayed Mami. They prisoned Canadians in Iran. They killed 177 passengers of PS752. So when you set, a, set up a friendly match, you, you, you need to have a good relationship with that country. But what kind of friendship do we have? And we know that IRGC controls the IFF. We know that they have no respect for women's rights. We know that they want to send their intelligence service agents to, to, to Canada. And that's surprising. If they don't know these things, I think uh, if they're naive, they could have asked. They could have asked the government. And if the government doesn't know that, they could have asked us. Are you, you okay with this? But they, they, they didn't. And you warned them in advance. Uh, yeah, we did. What would you like to see done now? They have to cancel the game. They, ca- they have to cancel this match. I think that's the moral responsibility to do that to the families of the victims and for the rights that Canada stands for. Uh, that's the right decision to make. I don't know. And, you know, if, if even Soccer Canada doesn't agree... I think uh, IRCC or the Immigration Ministry has to look at those visa applications. If, uh, you know, I'm sure, you know, man, they don't come as, as a player and they don't come as agents. They come as trainers. They come as managers. And uh, we don't know what they do here. This is a, a real danger for national security in Canada as well. I understand that there are protests planned no matter what, if this, if this match goes ahead. Will you be there? Will the families be there? Yeah, I will be there. You know, I said that to the government too, that we want to move, you know, push this case forward and we don't want extra on our plate. But they do this. We are victims and we have to mourn. But now they have turned us to activists. And this is, you know, what I've heard this from the government, that you are the fuel of this case, the families, I mean. Mm-hmm. Why? Why you don't do your job properly? Why you don't take this case to an international court? So you have given promises to the families and you haven't kept those promises. And this is very disappointing for this government. Uh, for, for listeners who haven't seen where this investigation has gone, we know it's been more than two years now. Um, where are we and what impact has the war in Ukraine had on one of the main players in this investigation, which was Ukraine? There were two different investigations. One was the technical investigation and the other one was a criminal investigation. For a technical investigation, IKO and other four countries, four affected countries, they decided to hand over the investigation to the murderers. So Iran did the technical investigation and the report that they published was full of lies and deceits. Then there's a criminal investigation. Iran has opened a criminal investigation, but the court, after 28 months, we don't even know if those 10 low officials that they have been accused are real people or not. And there have been two court sessions in Iran, and I know that the families, they didn't let the court proceed because the indictment doesn't cover what they want. And Ukraine is the other, only other country who opened, the, who opened another criminal investigation. Canada didn't do that. RCMP didn't do that for us. And this is another double standard here in Canada. Anyway, Ukraine, you know, you can't believe that, Ben. When, when 
we worked hard with Ukrainians. They are the most important people in this case, and they are very, very uh, resolute, and they know what they're doing. And uh, with, with some communications and some arrangements, they came to Canada in February to uh, continue their investigation here, and unfortunately, the war broke out, and they had to go back. So I don't see any future in near, you know, for this criminal case with this situation in Ukraine. And RCMP has denied to open a criminal case for the second worst terrorist attacks att- attack against Canadians. So our hands are tight. We don't know uh, what to do. We we can do something, go to the international courts as an organization, but it's very embarrassing that none of these countries. None of these governments support us. So we published a report on November, and we called that lonely fight for justice. And this is a lonely fight for justice. Hamed Ismaili, and thank you so much for your time tonight. I appreciate it. Thank you, Ben. Thank you.